All right, good morning. You guys doing all right? <laughs> you know it's coming. Like, we say it every week. We go, good morning, how are you? I say it to my kids every morning, too. No one has figured it out yet. It's like, good morning. There we go. I knew you guys could do it. Uh, hey, if you're visiting with us this weekend, thanks for being here. We are honored that you would come and that you would hang out with us. Um, we don't want anything from you. In fact, we want to give something to you. There is a uh, card in the seat back in front of you. If you fill that out, take it to the welcome booth. They're going to send you home with something just to say thanks for being here. Um, we are just, uh, we do this for you, actually. Everybody else, we don't care about. Just you, okay? So, no, thank you for being here, though. We, we really do appreciate it. A couple quick things. I want to give you an update. So, if you remember in the fall, we did this thing called called the Pass Forward Campaign, and we spent the uh, fall talking about, uh, one, celebrating the 30 years that Seacoast has been around, and then also looking forward to the next 30 years. And part of that was raising money in order to uh, transform our former auditorium into what we're going to call the Community Life Center. And that's because we have, uh, I think last count was around 1,200, but I, I believe it's gone up since then, maybe 1,400, 1,500 people that are on our campus throughout the week that are doing group life together, Rooted and CR and Moms Groups and and things like that. And so um, we needed a place for them to, uh, to be able to do group life. And so we said that that's a great opportunity to transform our, our auditorium. And so we raised about $1.8 million uh, this last fall. Yes. And um, tons of you were a part of that. And uh, you, you know, if you're like me, we're just given throughout the year. And, um, and if you haven't jumped in, we'd love for you to be a part of that campaign. And so I wanted you to just know kind of uh, what is happening with everything. So uh, first thing is the Community Life Center is now officially under construction, which we're very excited about. Yes. And so uh, we have emptied out the entire building. And so I think I have a picture of it really quick. Is um, If you remember, that used to be an auditorium, but now it is uh, just a shell pretty much. And they are going to be starting tomorrow. Um, they brought in all the heavy equipment, and they're going to be uh, demoing everything that's left. So all the walls, all that is coming down uh, Jericho style. Okay, and so that's going to be great. We're very excited about that. Also, uh, here's what you know and that I know, is if you're having friends over, if you're having guests over to your house, your house has never looked better before, right? You get all those projects done that you need to, you clean up, the kids aren't allowed in the house, you know, it's just, you want to make sure that it looks good. And so here's the deal, is we are expecting guests every weekend, is we, one of the things that we really want to see happen, that's why we're fasting a lot of us, is because we want God to use us to bring people here who maybe have never been to church or are far from, from God. And so we have been kind of updating our campus and trying to make it look uh, fresh and clean and crisp. And so you're going to be seeing a lot of transformation in the coming months, and, and hopefully you're already noticing some of the stuff that we're just uh, kind of freshening up around here. Also, uh, as a part of that, um, we want to, so a few years ago, we, we really invested a lot into our kids program, and we love our kids, and we continue to invest in them, but we want to also invest in our youth, and so we are creating an outdoor youth kind of facility patio area, and we began construction on that in the last couple weeks, and that's going to be AstroTurf, and they're going to have a cafe, and they're going to have basketball courts, and all that good stuff, and so if you haven't been to the warehouse, you can go, and you can check it out out because uh, they started to uh, develop that. And as a part of that, we're going to be putting sidewalks throughout the campus. So I don't know if you've noticed this or not, but we have a very strange campus, okay? There is a uh, horse starting gate that goes right down the middle, which is, that's where we double our offering. And so anyway, um, <laughs> just kidding, kidding, we didn't do that. Only when it's low, only when the offering's low. Um, no. And so we've been putting uh, sidewalks across. By the way, I don't know if you know this or not, but I am also a photographer, as you can tell, because that's me taking the picture. That's my shadow. And you know, it's me. It's my daughter. It's my son. The stroller's got the other son in there. Anyway, 
It's my other part-time job. So uh, we are pouring uh, concrete, we're pouring walkways, we're kind of clearing ways because here's one of the things that we know is we got a lot of families here. Um, we we want to make sure that everybody is safe as you're pushing the strollers, you're dragging the little ones, um, and there's some cross traffic. And so we're going to put sidewalks all around the campus to make sure that wherever you park, you can just jump onto a sidewalk and get to where you're going and you don't have any, uh, any worries or anything like that. Also, uh, our Seal Beach campus where Seacoast started, they jumped in on the campaign and so they did a full remodel of the exterior of their building. And if you've never been there, before. It's off of Main Street um, in Seal Beach, and it is a beautiful little church. We still have services down there, and so they got a full remodel as well. So lots of moving parts, lots of fun stuff that's happening. Um, we are very much uh, thankful. Oh, sorry, I forgot one more. Um, we're expanding our kids' facilities as well, and so we had some uh, some spaces that were kind of being underutilized, and so we have also remodeled those, and we're going to continue to do so. We, we got classrooms like this that we have now expanded into because our kids' program continues to, to grow. So lots of good stuff that that's taking place. I um, want to encourage you to jump in on that campaign uh, if you haven't yet, or just continue to be faithful if you have. Okay, last couple of things that I need to remind you of or that you need to know about. Uh, Royal Family Kids Camp. Is, uh, there's two things that you can do. You can either be a part of the uh, loose change for life change, just, just giving money to this, or you can volunteer to go to camp. And if you're not familiar with what it is, it is um, a, a camp for kids in the foster care system, and we just take them, and we love on them, and we throw them birthday parties, and we tell them about Jesus. And so if that's something that you're interested in doing, uh, the dates are June 21st through the 26th, and you can apply um, online to be a part of that. And then finally, next weekend... And this is maybe one of my favorite announcements. Next weekend, we're throwing a big party because for those of us who have been fasting, it's the end of the fast next weekend. Oh, it's going to be great. I heard that we're going to have tri-tip sandwiches, which if there's any left over when I'm done, you can have some. But it is going to be a party. So make sure you're here and you are a part of that. And then finally, we're going to be giving back to God right now. And so if you are visiting with us, don't feel obligated to give. I just set a record on how fast I just did the announcements. You're welcome. Oh, yeah, one more. Check out the video. Go. Junior high and high school parents, next Friday we're having our annual all-nighter from 10 p.m. on Friday night to 7 a.m. on Saturday morning. And your students are not going to want to miss it. We rented out a miniature golf and go-karting course, an arcade, and a trampoline park. The cost is $40 if you sign up before Thursday, and that includes dinner, breakfast, transportation, and all the activities for the night. But tickets go up night of to $50, so hurry because we only have 200 spots in total. To sign up, you can click the youth tab on our website, and for more information, or if you just wanted to pray for us because teenagers, come see us on the patio after service. All right, good morning. morning. See, they say good morning to me. I don't know what your problem is. Yeah, you warmed them up. Okay. Hey, uh, listen, if you got junior high, high school kids in your house or in your neighborhood, send them over. Uh, they'll spend the night, 40 bucks, pretty cheap, give it to a kid for night. And, uh, and they're going to have a great time and it'll be safe and uh, it'll be fun. So uh, our youth department does a great job. They're killing it out there. So uh, we're really proud of them. So get your kids involved. So <clears throat> we're talking about, uh, we're in this 21 days of fasting. <coughs> Excuse me. And we're talking about uh, why we're fasting and what it means for us. So I'm, the ultimate uh, point of this fast is that we want uh, our congregation to be people of impact, to live lives of impact. And to impact means to do something that lasts forever, to do something that will last beyond even your lifetime. And that has to do with influencing people uh, to know Jesus and to come to grips with, with who Jesus is. Uh, I have to just start off by saying that the most important thing that ever happened in my life, and, and it's not even close, is uh, when I finally let him be in charge of my life. 
when I finally accepted Christ, let him be in charge of my, it's the most important thing that ever happened to me. Uh, getting married, pretty big deal. Fooled her long enough to get her to say yes. And uh, that was a big deal, but nothing compared to what has happened in my life and the change of trajectory and, the, and just the, the life I have because I committed my life to Christ. Now, if you are a Christian and you would identify with what I just said, then you know what your mission in life is. Because if something that powerful and that wonderful has happened to you, don't you want to see that happen to others, right? Your mission in life and my mission in life is to honor God, have a relationship with God, but to help others do the same because it's the most important thing. Now, if you're a person here, you haven't fully come to grips with faith or with the person of Jesus, I'm so glad you're here because you're going to hear how important it is to us. And just by hearing our story, maybe you'll be inspired to take a little closer look at is Jesus, a personal relationship with Jesus, is that what's missing in my life? Because I want to suggest to you it is, because it was what was missing in my life and hundreds of people even in this room today. So I want to kind of talk about this, this a little bit, how to be a person of impact. And I found these three things. I read these. These aren't original. I read them, uh, but it's okay because they're really good. Um, and this idea of being ready uh, it requires some preparation on our part to be ready to be a person of impact. And through fasting and prayer, which is what we've been doing, some of us are fasting food, some of us are fasting social media, people are fasting different things. It brings us to these three words. I like these three words, agreement, alignment, and assignment. Agreement, alignment, and assignment. I like these three words. And so the first one is, when I, when I, uh, when I fast, I am in agreement. I am in agreement with this. And here's how we start to be ready to be a person of impact. I am in agreement that God is in charge of my life, that Christ came, died on the cross so I could be forgiven, was resurrected so I know I could be in heaven forever, and that he has a plan for my life. I am in agreement with God. I'm in agreement with he had the fact that he knows better than I know, that he has a better plan for my life than I do and that I want to live according to that plan rather than something else. So now you're saying, okay, that sounds like pretty straightforward Christian stuff. Okay, it is, except um, not everybody fully understands that. And even those of us who say we understand it don't live it very well sometimes. So I just want to clarify. In order to be ready to be a person of real impact, now you could have impact in this world, but it only lasts as long as you do or the people you impact do, and then, then it's gone. To have real impact, permanent impact, it requires us being in agreement with Jesus. So here's what it is. There's a, there's a little line in the, in the stage here. And, uh, and here's what is interesting. People say to me sometimes, I've had this many times over the years, well, you know, I'm, I'm a believer. I just don't know about Jesus. And so it's interesting because they obviously have a different definition of believer than, than I as a Christian do. And what they may mean is I believe there's a God. I believe there's a higher power. I believe I'm here for a reason. They, they may believe all kinds of things, but when the Bible talks about being believer, it talks about believing in Jesus. And so at some point, here's the deal. We were all, we were all born with a fallen nature. It's a theological term. It means I tend towards selfishness, which the Bible has a different word for. It's called sin. Okay. And we are all born with that. Somehow we genetically or spiritually in our spiritual genetics inherited this, this tendency towards selfishness to want what I want when I want it, towards sin, to live the life the way I want to live it, not the way God probably designed it to be lived or wants to be lived. And so we start here. And when we become a believer, we, we start on this side and we come to this place where you got to deal with Jesus Christ. So the issue of who Jesus is, is the most, uh, most important issue you'll ever deal with in your life. 
It's more important than who you marry, where you go to school, what job you do. It's the most important decision you will ever make in your life, what you do with Jesus. Because if he is who he said he is, then there's a certain response required. If he's not, there's a different response required. C.S. Lewis said it really best, and I'll quickly paraphrase it um, and just give you the cliff notes on it. But he said, if you look at Jesus, you've got three options. He's either Lord, which is he is God incarnate, and he knows everything, and he came and he sacrificed himself so you could be forgiven. He was resurrected so you could have heaven. He wants to work in your life now. He's Lord, in which case you want to move from this side of the line to this side of the line and make him Lord of your life. It's the only rational response. If he really was who he said he was. If he's not, now here's the interesting thing. There's so many people in the world today because we have, we have kind of weird logic now uh, in some places, and, and it says that, well, uh, I don't have to be on this side of the line or that side of the line. I can be on both. I can just straddle the line. Anybody ever get stuck on top of a fence? Fairly uncomfortable. Would that, would that be accurate? Well, he was a good teacher, but I don't think he was God. You know? Well, he was a good guy, but there are a lot of good guys well, Jesus said he was the only way to know God. Jesus said about himself, I'm the only way to the Father. So C.S. Lewis says he either is telling you the truth and, he's, and he should be Lord of your life, or he's a liar, in which he made this up for some other reason, or he's a lunatic. In either case, of those two, you should have nothing to do with him. If he's a liar or a lunatic, why would you even want to say he's a good teacher? Because he's not, he's lying. Or he's nuts. That was C.S. Lewis' take on it. And so people want to live in this, in this zone here, the demilitarized zone in which, well, I believe there's a God and Jesus is a good guy. No, no. Jesus only gave you two options. There's no demilitarized zone. There's no straddling the fence. You're either in or you're out. And that's how he laid it out. So you got to come to grips with the person of Jesus. Take him at his own word and come to grips with that. And okay, either I believe he was, in which case I need to be all in. Or if he's not, then I don't want anything to do with it. At least, at least be honest enough to deal with him his own word and not make up your own thing about him. And so when we, when we come to this and we decide, yes, he is, at least I think he is, I'm pretty sure he is, then we, then we move over here and we begin to find ourselves um, in agreement. And the agreement is that, that Jesus is God, God knows better than me, and he should be in charge of my life. He should be the Lord of my life, okay? If you want to be a person of, of real impact, of eternal impact, that's where it starts. And I just want to make that clear. I'm not condemning anybody. If you're here just kind of trying to figure this thing out, I'm so glad you're here. You're here on a great weekend uh, because this is what this weekend is about, is, is that line right there. And so if you agree with that and he is Lord of your life, now, that's wonderful. Now, for those of you who have already kind of stepped across that line and, and, and you, you consider yourself a Christian and, and you're a Christ follower and you've committed your life, here's what happens during fasting. Maybe this didn't happen to you, but it seems to happen to me every time I fast. It happens other times too, but especially when I fast. It's when I'm fasting, all of a sudden, I begin to see things a little more clearly. It's like God goes, okay, let's take a real look at you. Now that you're serious about this thing, let's take a real look at you. Because I'm not fasting to get something from God. I'm, not fa I'm fasting to get closer to God so I see the world the way God sees it and see me. And I begin to realize that, that I'm a little closer to that line than I want to be. Matter of fact, there's some parts of me hanging over the line, like anger. has a lot to do with freeways. <laughs> and not getting my way is the real issue. And in this fast, I begin to realize that a part of what needs to happen is I need to drag all of me over here. 
He's not just Lord of one part of my life. He's not just a part of my spiritual life. He wants to be in charge of all of my life. What I think about, what I do with my body, what I look at, my attitudes, my fears, my doubts, my pain. He wants all of that on this side of the line so that he can help bring healing and hope and so I can become a person of impact, a, a Christian, right? And so during this, I don't know if any of you notice this or doing the fast, I don't know if God's pointed out some things to you, but he has to me. There's a couple of things he's pointed out in my life that I just need to really drag across that line. Okay, God, I'm giving this up to you once and for all. It's a passage, and it's found in, in uh, Matthew 17. And the reality is, is that we need God's power. We need God to help us if we're going to live lives of impact. It's not something you do yourself. It's not like five rules you keep and, and you make it happen. It's about an ongoing relationship with God. And in order to do that, we need to have a cl close relationship with God and His empowerment. And so uh, here's an interesting passage. It's found in Matthew 17. And it begins right off because Jesus is always subtle. He says, you unbelieving and perverse generation... What? What? Huh? Who? You, you ever been dressed down by your mom, like called out by somebody? You've never been called out like that by the God of the universe right there. You unbelieving and perverse. Now, here's the context of that passage. Uh, there's a young boy. He's brought to the disciples. The young boy has, uh, modern translations say epilepsy. We're not sure what it was. The old English says fits. In other words, he would have convulsions. And, 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 and sometimes it would even put him in danger, like you fall into a fire or something. Now, there are some scholars that suggest the original language that this actually was even self-destructive. It wasn't just the lack of uh, control of his physical body, but that he may have been even suicidal somehow, okay? And, uh, and, and so in this context, I bring this boy, and the disciples can't heal him. And so they bring him to Jesus, and Jesus responds with this, you unbelieving, perverse generation. Now, you're saying, well, that's harsh. Indeed it is. But... It is said in order for the disciples, and I believe for us, because I think we might fall into that same category, generally, in the world, the United States, unbelieving and perverse a little bit, maybe, not owning up to that. Okay. Um, when he says it, he's trying to instruct something. Now listen to the rest of this passage. I want you, I want you to hear this. He says, um, bring the boy here to me. Oh, no, he says, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy here to me. Jesus rebuked the demon. It came out of the boy, and he was healed at that moment. Then the disciples came to Jesus in private and asked, why couldn't we drive it out? He replied, because you have so little faith. His issue is their lack of faith. They don't trust Jesus to do everything that, that he can do. They don't have faith in, in God. And, and, it's, and it's too small to do this thing. He says, truly, I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it, it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. Now, there's an interesting thing. In, in more modern translations, it skips from verse 20 to verse 22. And the reason is, is that in, in some of the early manuscripts, verse 21 is not included. In some, it is included. Some, it is not. It's a very similar kind of thing that happens in Mark 9 in, 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 in the story. And it says this in, in, in the earlier translations, and, and I think it's, it's certainly borne out elsewhere in Scripture as well. Uh, but this kind, so nothing will be possible for you, but this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. By prayer and fasting. So I, I, this is really interesting to me. 
So what he's saying is, so have you ever, you ever as a Christian, you ever gone, why can't we make a bigger impact? Why isn't the world changing more? Why, why do my prayers not seem to be? And Jesus seems to say here, it's because of unbelief. It's a lack of faith. Your faith is too small. And so we have some doctrines and some theologies that, well, just build your faith up. The problem is you don't have the ability to build your faith up. No matter what they tell you on television, if you had more faith, you'd have a better car. That's baloney, all right? Here's, what, here's where faith comes from. Faith comes from God and God's word. And so as you spend more time with God in prayer and more time with God's word, he will build your faith up. He says you're, you are an unbelieving or you have a lack of faith and perverse. So here, here is the picture, all right? The picture is I'm not connected enough with God. That's why I'm lacking in faith. And the perversity comes because I'm too connected to the world in which I live. Now, hang with me here, all right? I'm not connected enough with God, so how do I get more connected with God? Prayer. Now, how do I disconnect from the world? What does the world represent? The world represents what is temporary, what is physical. How do I disconnect from that, from my appetites? How do I do that? Hmm, let's see. Fasting. So by fasting, I'm disconnecting from that which is temporary, temporarily, and then I'm moving toward God. So I am not, so here's what's perverse. What is perverse is to think that my appetites can fill the place in my life that was created by God for God, right? I can eat enough to fill that empty place inside. I can smoke enough dope. I can have enough sex, illicit sex. I can, I can, I can have enough money, uh, no matter how I get it. I can do all that stuff enough to fill in the empty spot. The problem is the solution is over here in relation with God through Jesus Christ, right? And it's perverse to keep expecting things to fill up places they can't fill up. That's craziness. And so what he's saying is stop keeping your eyes over here and expecting that to fill you up, to fill those empty places in your life. Over here, being connected to God, it will grow your faith. And you won't be nearly so attracted to those things over there. Now you're saying, okay, I don't do any bad stuff over there. Well, what about good stuff over here? What about my family? So now I have a great family mostly, exception to one, but I have a great family generally. And as much as I love my family and as fulfilling it is to raise kids and love my grandkids, it's incredible. But they, as great as they are, can never fill up that place that was made for God. Right? And so I need to detach a little bit, at least my expectations, and put them over here where they belong because he can handle them. They can't give me meaning in life. As much as I love them and how great it is to be a parent, and that is a part of your purpose if you have children, I understand, but that's not your total purpose and reason for being, because someday they're going to grow up and move away and marry somebody you don't like. No, wait a minute. (laughs) Somebody else. Anyway, so my point is you put your expectations in this relationship over here, right? And so what happens is when I'm in agreement, you you are God. Jesus, you are exactly who you say you are, and you need to be in charge of life. I want you to be in charge of life all of my life. I'm going to drag it all over the line, over here. I want you in charge of my life. I'm in agreement, right? And now that I'm in agreement, I can be in alignment with his will. The greatest thing in life is to be in God's will and to know you're in God's will. And so as we live here, he begins to direct us in our lives. I believe that God wants us, through this relationship with Christ, to have a great adventure with him. So I have this dirt bike sitting uh, in storage in a garage, and, and it's a, it's a, 
450. It's a great bike. I haven't ridden it in years. But I get it out about every five or six years just to prove I still can. But the problem is the stinking thing won't start. I wonder why. Because all the gasoline has turned to lacquer. It has turned to varnish. It is so clogged up. It, the, the carburetor. So I have to call my friend Bruce, who was here last night. He's laughing. Yeah, hey, I, I, Bruce, I'm going to ride it again. Okay, I'll come and clean the jets for you. Because it's all clogged up and nothing's getting there, right? Sometimes we lose this focus, this connecting with this with God. We're not as connected with God as we, as we want to be and have been maybe. And we're kind of moving over toward the line because our eyes are... You ever notice when you're driving that you look at something and you go... Have you ever noticed that? Yeah? We do the same in life. If, if I'm saying, oh, I'm connected here, but I'm looking over there all the time. If I'm connected here, I say, oh, I'm connected here. I'm here. I go every Sunday. I'm into this thing, man. I'm into this thing. But if my wife was better, I'd have a better life. If she would just live up to expectations. I mean, nobody ever said that. It's usually the husband, but either way. <laughs> so what happens is, as we say we're connected here, but we're moving closer to this line, and we're, our eyes are over here, it just clogs us up. We just get clogged up. We're all gunked up inside. What do we do? Take a little break. Do a little fasting. Stop social media for a few weeks. Stop certain foods for a few weeks. Spend a little more time talking to God, being sensitive to what God would have on this great adventure. And then we begin to get what happens to my carburetor. Get a little flow through. You get a little flow through. You get a little gas in there. Dynamic things can happen. Explosions happen. That little engine, we start moving. It gets exciting. When I'm in a flow-through mode with God, I start here, oh, God, you want me to, and sometimes it's about me. Okay, I need to deal with that hurt. I've never come to grips with that pain from my past. Lord, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay close to you, and we're going to find healing for that thing together. Or this attitude I've been dragging along with me, it is, it is holding me back, and it is from that side of the line over there. I don't want that anymore. Lord, I'm going to give that to you. With your help, I'm not going to take it back. And so God begins to speak to us. He begins to flow through. And as he directs me to something and I am obedient to that thing, then he opens up incredible results and I'm ready to do it again. Sometimes it looks like, oh, you want me to talk to that person? Really, that person? Okay, I'm going to talk to that person. And as I'm obedient to that and I see that they're receptive and God's already been at work in their heart, I'm going, wow, this is a great adventure. Let's do that again. And this flow through flow through thing happens. And before you know it, I'm a person of impact in my family, my marriage, my job, my world, right? And that is a part of what's supposed to be happening to us. Because as we come to agreement with who God has made us to be and who he is, we get in alignment with his will. He will lead us to our assignment. You are here for a reason. Nobody else can answer this question. Why are you here? If you ask yourself, why am I here? Don't look inside because you don't know the answer. Don't ask mom and dad because they don't, well, they know on one level, but they don't know the, the level you really want, right? Why am I here? Only God can answer that question. You are here in this time, in this place. Cody talked about Esther a few weeks ago. You are in this time, in this place for a reason, for such a time as this. There is somebody you're supposed to come across their path. There's some impact you're supposed to have, and only you are going to have that, and only God can show you that. And it starts with being in agreement, being in alignment, and then listening. God, what is it? What is it you are trying to say to me? What is it you're trying to lead me into? We call this fast in order to call this congregation to be people of impact. The way that we make an impact in the world is we first honor God by worshiping, being in agreement and alignment, and then by sharing Him with others. 
because it's the most important thing they can ever do is come to grips with Jesus. And that's for all of us. That's who we are. That's what we're supposed to do. And yet we find it difficult sometimes. And so we called this fast so that we would be reminded of how incredibly important it is that we be who we're supposed to be. We all have the assignment. We just have it in different places in different ways and, and in unique stories to tell. But all of us who are Christians are here to share our stories so that maybe others will have a story that will last for eternity. You know, I, I'm kind of the paid professional around here, one of them anyway. And, uh, and it, it's one thing coming from me, but we thought maybe it would be better coming from someone who's kind of walked through this experience. And so uh, uh, here's uh, some friends of mine from here in the church. Watch this. I was raised in a Mormon family. I grew up believing in Jesus and believing in God. And um, at some point, my parents' marriage dissolved and uh, that, that all fell apart. And around that same time, I was about 13 years old and that I didn't want to go to church anymore. And that I felt like my parents were hypocritical and the way that their life was dissolving in front of us. And, and I didn't want any of that. When my parents got divorced, there was no supervision. I started smoking pot, taking acid and mushrooms, whatever the, the thing of the day was at that time. A year after that, my dad remarried and um, moved five young stepbrothers and sisters into the house. And uh, not very long after that, I moved into my first apartment in downtown Huntington Beach, garage apartment for $40. At different times I tried to work. I worked in restaurants or I did, you know, different things, but mostly I supported myself from 16 to 18, selling drugs and just, I sold pot and I sold acid. While I was in San Francisco, I got introduced to cocaine. I was married for about 10 years, and at the end of that time, I was 30 years old. I decided that it, I wasn't happy in my marriage, so I left my wife, and that didn't go very well. It was really difficult. It was hard on me. Um, of course, I didn't have anything to ground me anymore, so <clears throat> it wasn't long until I found myself doing cocaine again. That evolved into a relationship with um, some Colombians, and I got arrested by the DEA and being involved in a conspiracy for another big cocaine sale. Once I got arrested up there, um, there was going to be no more bail. Basically, uh, went straight to prison. first four years I was in federal prison um, I was fighting my case I had it overturned and that cut my time in less than half and gave me a lot of good time so I was able to get out of there after four years got out in 1993 I'd made up my mind when I got out I wasn't gonna do any more drugs I wasn't gonna break the law anymore Yeah, well, we got married in 2002. Um, 
And then that was the that was the highlight of our marriage at the time. Once we settled in together, it crashed and burned. Yeah, it crashed and burned. <laughs> you know, I was in a partnership. Um, it was awful. With two guys, and and we do work with a lot of high voltage. There's a lot of stress. We had a lot of employees. We had jobs all over the place. I was, you know, just tired, and I was uh, intolerant, and um, I was impatient, and I was more concerned with me and that didn't go very well and, it was and then awful. I was resentful to him I left my home and brought my son down and um, I think we both just expected things to be different and I would just pray I'd be on my knees and I would cry and I would say just get me out of this marriage um, certainly you don't want me to be miserable in this marriage and I would hear God say hold on I'm not doing her any good I'm not doing Ethan any good I'm not doing me any good you know this is another marriage, it just isn't gonna work. And I had originally gone to Calvary Chapel and then I found out you guys had a better time and I wasn't gonna be late. So I was like, oh, I'll go check out that church. I'll go to see Coast Grace. So you um, were doing that and praying. I was doing that and praying, yeah. And taking care of your brother. And taking care of my brother. And then Doyle just kept saying things that resonated with me and that I needed to hear that I didn't want to hear, yeah. um, working on me and my relationship with Christ, and I couldn't pray like to make him better or to change him, or I needed to work on on who I was as a wife at that point and a mother. And I would mock her, really, and, uh, and she was paying tithing, and I found out she was paying tithing, and there was a building fund going on all, as well that she was trying to contribute to and stuff, and I was like, I wasn't having any of it. You know, I was angry when I found out, and, and I would look, to see if she was doing it or try and find out so I could be mad at her about it. I didn't, I didn't want anything to do with any of it. You know, to me it was all nonsense. Three months after my brother had passed away, uh, we found a lump in his neck and he went to the doctor um, and we found out he had stage four tongue cancer. Tongue cancer is awful. Um, you have to deal with your mor mortality. I had radiation treatment every day for weeks, and I had chemotherapy going on as well at the same time, and go through treatment. And so one day I was sitting in the waiting room waiting for him to come out of the radiation treatment, and uh, was changed visibly. I can tell that there was something different about him this time walking out. And I, he was shaky, and he just ran out of the hospital. And I was like, what is going on? What happened in there? And he wouldn't talk to me. And so finally I got him, I got it out of him. And uh, he had prayed while he was in that Toma machine. He had prayed for peace and for God to help him get through um, that day, because that day was really a struggle for him. Um, he was having a tough time breathing. Um, and instantly he felt God's peace on him, and instantly he felt calm. Um, and so that was an undeniable event. He couldn't escape uh, God meeting him there at that time. And she had been going to church. I told her I wanted to go. So I started going. I, I, I had to start getting to the bottom of it. And so I was, I wanted to be there. Started leaving church and telling Nicole, it's like, I don't know what the rest of these people are doing here. <laughs> These messages are just for me. 
I started reading the Bible. I still couldn't believe that my life was changing. I told Nicole, it's like, I can't be in this partnership anymore. I left that and we started a business working together every we day. working together. <laughs> Everything no. was changing. Yeah, our marriage has changed. We've been business partners since 2013. Ever since then, um, we have done Rooted together. We have done other Bible studies. Uh, we're in the financial peace class right now. We um, went to Israel with the church, and then we did the Europe trip with the church. We were baptized at the Jordan River together. So um, a lot of amazing things. He's the spiritual uh, leader of our household. He prays um, and uh, listens to Christian music. God was with me every single day. He's always there waiting. Yeah, he's been waiting for us to turn The minute I turn to God, He's grabbing me, and my life is better than it's ever, ever been. Every relationship, this relationship, the minute that I asked for him to be in my life, the minute that I started to follow him, everything. The things that I thought would be a burden are a joy, the peace. I've never had peace in my life ever, and there's so much peace now when I get worried about things, now I can just stop and go, it's, it's Jesus, it's changed everything.